This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. It can be a challenge to know exactly what's happening during a crisis, like this week's shooting at a Texas elementary school. Now, after the news broke, misinformation spread quickly on social media and online forums. This also tends to happen around election time, with ads and posts featuring false claims. And some experts worry social media platforms like Facebook aren't ready for the election cycle that's already begun. Joining us now to discuss this and more is Naomi Nix. She's a staff writer focusing on social media for The Washington Post. Hi, Naomi. Welcome to Reset. Thanks for having me. How have social media platforms generally tackled misinformation on their sites? Well, look, so a number of the major platforms do each year, you know, enforce policies they have against misinformation, particularly against false information about voting. So they they're historically have focused on things like banning posts that give you the wrong date or time about how to vote or you know, try to tell you that uh, you're supposed to vote in this district when you're actually located in another district. Um, but they tended in, in the past to have a, a hands-off approach about sort of general misinformation about, you know, candidates' voting records or policy issues. They prefer to, to defer that to third parties. Um, and then the way they enforce these bans against vote, you know, voting misinformation mm-hmm. is they have machine learning systems that kind of scan for potential offending posts. Um, and then they might demote it uh, in users' feeds or, um, you know, remove it altogether. I see. So talk specifically about Facebook and, and their approach. I wonder if Facebook's approach or something else about the platform is, is what's attracting a lot of the misinformation that comes to the site. Yeah, look, I mean, Facebook's a really critical platform during the election cycle. And that's in particular because campaigns are able to target um, their messages or advertising campaigns to really small slices of, of the electorate for a very cheap price. Um, and, and because it's so widely adopted among users, particularly the older demographics, um, that are, you know, can be counted on to make it to the polls, uh, campaigns use it heavily. Um, the issue, though, of course, is because it's popular, uh, it can be a, a place of, of misinformation. And so Facebook does a number of things. They, they usually put out like a voter information center or portal where users can find accurate information about the election. Um, and then they do, they do ban... Um, you know, like I mentioned, some of the certain claims about the logistics of voting. Mm-hmm. And then they have an advertising policy in which they um, vet political advertisers uh, to make sure that they're actually representing who they represent. So so they've released their public policy strategy for, for either the uh, the midterm or November elections at this point or have they not? They, so that's so that's what they've done in the past. So now typically each year they would go about and they would sort of start talking to campaigns and civic advocacy groups about what what are they going to do that's new. Um, And I think the pressure was really on them, you know, for this cycle because of, you know, misinformation on the platform, you know, potentially contributed to the the storming of the Capitol on January 6th. Mm -hmm. Um, But what, you know, what civil advocates are saying is like, you haven't actually told us if you're going to do anything new. And the evidence from, you know, Uh, That January uh, siege shows us that you're maybe not ready and midterms have already started. Right. Uh, So there's a real concern about 
you know, is Facebook going to do something new this time, um, given the track record of what happened that led up to what led up to January 6th? Why might the midterm primaries be, be more of a challenge, you think, for, for Facebook to stop the spread of misinformation? Yeah, I mean, so one challenge is just the political environment. Um, we, you know, we have a movement, particularly on the right, to essentially um, erode Americans' trust in, in the electoral process. There's a lot of talk, right, about was the 2020 election stolen? Um, you know, conspiracies about the election continue to percolate on social media. And so that means they just have more context, you know, potential offensive content to um, sift through. The other the other issue is that there are just so many races, right? We have 435 House races up for grabs, a third of the Senate as well. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard for the platform to decide which candidates um, and posts to take action on and, you know, which to leave alone. It's just hard to keep track of it all. And I wonder, are there different challenges to tackling misinformation coming from another party in a campaign versus when you're tackling it, you know, coming from an, an ad that's planted by a foreign government? Because I'm, I'm thinking back to like Russian involvement in the 2016 election. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Facebook will still still monitors for foreign influence. Um, and they're usually looking for what they call inauthentic behavior. So accounts pretending to be something that they're not. Um, and that's very much like a technology-based um, approach to fighting you know, that kind of content. And it's easy for them to make a call. Like if you're the Russian government and you're pretending to be, you know, Sally from Idaho, they can just that that's, you know, that's against their policies. Where you draw the line on like what's okay from authentic actors in, you know, particularly like politicians about where, you know, how much can they lie about the election? What's appropriate? Mm -hmm. That's a whole other ballgame and it's harder for them to to figure out where to draw that line. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we are talking to Washington Post reporter Naomi Nix about how prepared social media platforms are to prevent the spread of misinformation during the election cycle. Uh, What else, Naomi, has Facebook implemented to stop the spread of misinformation? I know they put some labels on on posts a couple years ago. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, we could. They they do have a number of, of sort of tools at their disposal. Um, so, you know, one question is, you know, will they label and how, you know, how much will they enforce posts of like political candidates who, you know, potentially say they shouldn't, um, you know, they're questioning the results of the election, even if like mainstream media outlets have said it's been called for, you know, their opponent. Um, you know, wh- how will they handle that? Another question, for, you know, being debated is how do they handle political advertising? Last cycle, they decided to ban new political advertisements in sort of the the final days of the race to kind of prevent um, potential surprises. Um, you know, but that got a lot of criticism because it may have hampered some campaigns' ability to do their get-out-the-vote mm. efforts. Um, you know, so that's another question. Another question is just like how they organize themselves internally. They typically have a kind of war room, right? That like where they are sort of all focused on the election and taking calls from activists and campaigns about posts that, you know, might be in violation or shouldn't be uh, against the rules and, and 
um, you know, how quickly will they uh, assemble that team and when will they pull back that team? One of the controversies last cycle was they did pull back some of their emergency measures for, for the election. Um, before the inauguration, and some have alleged that that led up to, um, you know, the content sort of radicalizing yeah. some of the rioters at the Capitol. So these civil rights um, advocacy groups, then they, they want to see social media platforms basically take more aggressive action here. They do. They want um, they want more aggressive enforcement. Um, they want more resources devoted to um, uh, you know, misinformation in other languages. Um, and, you know, there's been sort of a long-standing critique among civil rights groups about um, Facebook deciding, uh, taking a wider lens about what should be considered voter suppression and that maybe it should go beyond just the logistics of how to vote and where to vote, but sort of more subtle ways that are typically targeted at minority voters to discourage them from voting. And so we'll see where they draw the line there. And we've already seen some issues surfacing recently. Tell us what happened this week with the uh, Republican Senate primary in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I mean, look, we had Trump um, urging, um, you know, that one candidate should essentially um, declare victory before the results um, had been uh, called because, you know, <laughs> it was his candidate. And so the question is, what if? Um, you know, what if Mehet Oz had done that, right? How would Facebook have handled it? Would they put a label that says, you know, this is disputed or this has not yet been called by, um, you know, authorities? And so the fact that we don't know, right, because we don't know quite yet what their policies right. are, um, is the critique. Um, and, you know, we've had a, there's a documentary out there that a lot of Republicans have seized on that continues to question the results of the 2020 election. And, you know, we saw political candidates go to the advertise, you know, go to Facebook to advertise, kind of to, to put out, you know, that, that theory once again, that the election was rigged. And, um, you know, that was in a violation of Facebook's rules. And so the question is, uh, you know, do they have the enforcement mechanisms to get all the content that potentially breaks their rules? And the evidence shows uh, they're still working on it. Right. Still in progress. What are you going to be watching for then as, as the election cycle unfolds? So one thing I'm going to be asked, you know, looking for is, you know, where do they draw the line on politicians who break the rules. We have a wider, you know, conversation happening among social media companies about whether political leaders should be uh, deplatformed, right? Facebook took and Twitter and uh, YouTube took an extraordinary measure, you know, after January 6th to um, suspend Donald Trump's account for his role in it. And um, Facebook has now left open the door that he could return for 2024. But the question is, you know, do they continue to punish other political leaders, you know, who have lower profiles, who also make repeated claims about um, election rigging, you know, and maybe where some of those words might exacerbate um, violence? Um, you know, another question is, do they put in any measures for election workers, right? Yeah. There's there's been some reporting about election workers feeling, you know, unsafe, right? And 
could be potential targets. How do they go about protecting the privacy of those election workers with social media? That's a good where, question. You know, yeah. Potential activities could be organized and targeted against them. Lots to watch for. Naomi Nix is a staff writer focusing on social media for The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me.